there's sort of these defined roles uh, when it comes to the Mockingbird media. David Leonard in his New York Times letter this morning shows a massive gap in COVID deaths now between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. There is, and, and, and specifically, uh, he looks at those counties that uh, went for Donald Trump and those counties that went for Joe. And that's a great example. The New York Times published a piece of literal gibberish. Pretending that how you vote determines if you get the COVID flu or not. So they put an intellectual veneer on this stuff. And that guy knows what he's doing. He knows he's playing with numbers and he knows he's lying. And then Joe Scarborough takes that with the intellectual veneer and dresses it up as a bomb to throw at the right to own the conservatives. So in the new post Great Reset era, what are the given roles of the Mockingbird Media members. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made as an opportunity for us to rejoice. And these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And may the Lord be touching you right now with his holy presence. Um, May the Holy Spirit dwell within you. And may we all have the capacity to rejoice that the Lord is showing us us so much, much, (laughs) that we know who wins in the long run, and that the Lord strips us of our sin nature. The the further we allow the Lord to dwell in us, the more we ask the Holy Spirit to have his way with us, the less likely we are to lie or to accept lies. And we live in an era of lies. And we can fall victim to our own lies and believing our own lies. And in this time of, of nearly universal deceit, it's important that we just continue to tell the truth and that we also look very closely at how the lies are being laid out. There's, there's a whole bunch of Bible verses about the wickedness of lying. And in the New Testament era, lots of reminders that as changed beings, like we no longer need to give in to that sin. In the Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to live lives of truth. And when we slip up, we have the opportunity to go back and recognize that and, and to, to change that uh, with the help of the Lord. Right, Because we don't have the capacity to change ourselves. This is necessary to live in a holy way. We just have the Lord to help us along in that. And because we live in a time of universal deceit or nearly universal deceit, I think it's so important for us to understand how the deceit works. I formulated this idea years ago. And it was one of the proudest moments of my life because I actually formulated it when I was filling in for Rush Limbaugh many years before Rush, uh, before we knew Rush was so sick. And I, and God rest Rush. And I mentioned this phrase, the propaganda of silence. And this idea I have that the most powerful weapon that the Mockingbird media has is the propaganda of silence, which is a phrase I've trademarked for whatever purpose. Um, And James Golden, a.k.a. uh, Bo Snerdly, he tweeted about that during the show and said, this is such an important theory that Herman has shared is is this propaganda of silence. Now, anytime I get a compliment from the big man, it's a big deal to me. 
uh, because I just have such enormous respect for the radio show he helped the Maha build. So there's the overarching propaganda of silence that they all practice. And it's universal. Uh, There was a universal decision to tank the Hunter Biden story. Absolutely universal. There's a universal decision to not question the figurehead as to why he holds press conferences on a sound set on a fake White House. Why is there a fake White House? Why is there a soundstage? There's an almost universal declaration by the Mockingbird media to not cover the fact that Hunter Biden and the Biden family are deeply corrupted by China. There's an almost universal decision to not not even question the mental faculties of Joe Biden, although anybody who watches the figurehead understands that the man is sadly in a state of mental decline and continuing to decline on a daily basis. The propaganda of silence extends to the role of in, in the in the elections. They never did spend any time saying, why would anyone have any questions that this is the safest, most secure election in history? If these charges are so false and so easily set aside, wouldn't you as the news media want to take those charges, examine them and have done with them? They won't do that. Because there's a universal decision to simply take a propaganda phrase, right, and not focus on the story. That's the propaganda of silence, but instead to offer narrative, safest, most secure election in history. The Mockingbirds did the same thing with Tony Fauci's borrowed title, the nation's leading expert on infectious diseases, which is an absolute propaganda phrase because that's never been determined. So in this new era that began in March of 2020, with the Great Reset and the installation of that and the crushing of freedoms and our neighbor to the north having become now a full-on complete dictatorship, which is also getting the propaganda of silence treatment. Yes, there's, there's the Fox News stories. And yes, occasionally, well, occasionally there's Fox News stories. Newsmax talks a bit about it, but they haven't ever really gone into the whys. They haven't ever really gone into farmer's role in this. No one is really willing to talk about the fact that Justin Trudeau is a partial creation of Klaus Schwab's whole program. It's not willing to cover that. Now, when you have an unnatural circumstance, that is competitors all deciding to not cover a big story, rest assured that there's got to be coordination because it's unnatural. CNN and MSNBC are competitors. They should go after one another by trying to break news, but that's not what they do. And what drew my attention to all of this was I got an email, you know, I'm on the Dr. McCullough email list, like probably you are. So I, I wasn't aware of this Time Magazine article in which the disgraced criminal, uh, Francis Collins, who helped head up gain-of-function research. And that's a really fancy phrase. What does gain-of-function mean? It means making viruses more dangerous. And in fact, it means inventing viruses where none existed before. Well, we're we're pretty sure that bats are going to give people viruses one day. So let's go catch bats. And then let's use gene sequencing to make bats' blood into viruses that can infect humans. So that's not even just gain of function, that's invention of function. Collins headed that up with the Chinese Communist Party, which has promised and declared that it wants to be the world's expert on chemical and biological weapons. That's what they said. They want to be able to wage total war. 
Now, again, that's not something that the media covers. That declaration by the Chinese Communist Party who has, right now, Uyghurs in concentration camps, right now, today, even as the Olympics wrap up, that Collins and Fauci said, hey, let's give them money to make and invent dangerous viruses and take existing viruses and make them more deadly. Let's, let's do that. Francis Collins is blaming Dr. Mercola for, not, for, for his inability to end the COVID flu. It's the fault of a guy who sells supplements and mattresses and nebulizers and books and a guy who will run counter narrative a guy who will as use his background in medicine and also his connections to bring people on to say things like Mercola said two years ago the virus came out of a lab in Wuhan China and he had on an expert in virology with a PhD, and she explained, here's why this looks manufactured. It's the same thing that the Mockingbirds have been forced to admit today, the same function. It's the, it's the HIV-type spike in the proteins that open the cells, the human cells. So he does this, and Francis Collins says the guy who sells supplements and mattresses and books is the reason that he, with an unlimited budget, with unlimited power, with the ability to shut schools, force woke masks onto many, many people, those who are willing to be forced to do that, to forcibly inject people. It's the fault of Joseph Mercola that Francis Collins wasn't able to stop this virus. Now, we're going to talk more about that piece tomorrow. Where did it land? It landed in Time Magazine. Time Magazine has carved out a niche. It's where the criminals go to brag about their criminality. They're the ones who ran the most important piece about the elections where they saved the country. They described saving democracy by rigging the vote and rigging the system. So Time Magazine has carved this niche where the place the criminals go brag about their criminal acts or shift blame. And in the case of that incredible piece about the elections, they were bragging about rigging it because orange man bad. So as we examine the role of the mockingbirds, this is sort of a new niche within mockingbirdery, the place where criminals brag about what they did. So they continue to play the propaganda of silence game with what's happening in Canada. All of them do. All of them to a degree. Because what's happened in Canada is an economic declaration of war. Epic Times, actually to their credit, they have an editorial about the declaration of economic war, the seizing of bank accounts, but the same mockingbirds, all of them who cheered Black Lives Matter Incorporated, who ignored that those funds were being, well, I mean, they're all being misused because they're a terrorist organization who ignored Patrice Collier's purchase of this home in Topanga Canyon, California. 
They're all of them ignoring the fact that diners are being shut down because they served coffee. People's bank accounts are being seized because they went there. And there's no greater example of this than they're ignoring a black female member of parliament going after a rich white man. You would think that would be big for them. This woman's name is Leslin Lewis. She's an MP, and here she is going after the rich white man who, by the way, likes to dress in blackface or did like to dress in blackface. The Emergency Measures Act is a declaration of a state of national urgency. It is a blunt force tool that should only be used under the most serious circumstances when legal powers have been exhausted. Canadians do not believe that this prime minister has exhausted all efforts. The Emergency Measures Act gives extraordinary powers to the government. The prime minister would have received judicial advice from judicial officers when will this prime minister make that advice available to the public the right honorable prime minister once again, the protest, uh, sorry, once again, the Conservative Party is trying to have it both ways. Uh, they spent the first few weeks both uh, complaining that the federal government wasn't acting while encouraging the illegal barricades. Uh, and now that the federal government has put in the hands of local police officers uh, justified, proportional, measured tools that will absolutely conform with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, they are now complaining that we have acting. We will continue to do what is necessary to keep Canadians and their communities and our economy safe. Well, member for Haldeman Norfolk. Canadians are tired of talking points. They want real answers. The Prime Minister's own words created fear. What are we going to do with these people? These people are taking up space, he said. These are the words of a failed leader who robbed Canadians of hope and of unity, and that is why they took to the streets. When will this Prime Minister stop doubling down on his failed leadership and admit that it is it is his divisive words and mandates that led to so much turmoil in this country. You would think think that with all the charges of white supremacy, you'd think this would be an interesting counter narrative. You would think with all the energy the Mockingbirds put into the, 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 the historic achievement of a black woman doing something like in the case of Aaron Jackson, historic achievement. And I've already described the actual historic achievement, which was the athletic achievement of, of being a gold medalist eight years after you start your, your ice skating life, albeit having been a, a, an incredible world champion as a, as a speed skater on wheels, which is actually a, a funner sport. Right. You'd think they'd want to focus on that, but that's a it is a decision to not. Now, speaking of the white supremacy angle with the Mockingbirds, as we look at how they work and and what their new roles are post Great Reset, which began in March of 2020. Here's another indicative article of this. The Washington Post apparently believes that that woman in Canada is a white supremacist. As a black woman, they also believe that black slaves were white supremacists. How do I know this? Because the Washington Post in this stupefying article contends that the want of freedom 
is a white supremacist notion, which leads us to the Washington Post's new role. The Post has always played a role similar to the New York Times. There's a couple things the Post does as an organization. They are the certified organization to take out hit pieces on Republicans who rise up. They do that because the Washington Post is worshipped in the Beltway. It is a God, small g, but not to them, in the Beltway. You will see Republicans, so-called, in their offices with MSNBC on and with the Washington Post in their hands. Oh my gosh, it's in the Post! You'll hear all the time back there, we've got to get on this, it's in the Post! The Post has also taken a fascinating position as the director of narrative change. It's the Post that began the process of shifting a focus on freedom as a tenant of white supremacy. And they feed that down the chain. That not only is your freedom a problem, your desire to live free means that you hate black people. It means that you hate Hispanic people. It also means you're a conspiracy theorist. And this is the post job is to shift narratives. Now, it's also fascinating because in the Jeff Bezos era, where Bezos is the owner of the post, they were the first to go through and erase, to delete their Russia coverage. Now, they didn't come out and run a front page article apologizing. They just went through and said, hey, you know what? Why don't we memory hold this? Which is in one way, I guess, good. In another way, it's a reverse propaganda of silence. But here's another indicator of the Post as playing the role of the head of narrative change. The Washington Post has an article, and and factually, it's probably true. In the long run, wars make us safer and richer. They say, now, in the case of the Iraq war, It was to bankrupt us. It was to invite terrorist bombings into the United States. It was making us less safe. In the era of Barack Obama drone murdering people, including American civilians, that got the propaganda of silence treatment. In the era now where the narrative must shift, where the mockingbirds, and you can watch it, The Mockingbirds want us solely focused on Ukraine. I will pray for the people of Ukraine to not be killed. I will pray that God delivers them from violence. I will pray that the Lord changes the heart of Vladimir Putin. I will pray that he softens the hearts of the people who are leading this effort to get to war. I will do all of that. And I think I can do that sincerely. But I will not pretend that I'm not suspicious of all of this because I'm suspicious of all of this. The Great Reset installed in March of 2020 is global. The media's propaganda of silence about the deaths deaths from the injections is total and planned and global. The propaganda of silence around the truly destructive nature of the lockdowns 
is also meeting with silence. And the role of the World Economic Forum is not just met with silence. As we've proven this week, it's banned in parliaments around the world. You're not to discuss the World Economic Forum. I wait for the first American lawmaker to bring up an effort to have Klaus Schwab come and testify in the United States as to what he's done to drive the lockdown in our country. I can't wait to see that happen. Maybe it's today. Hey, if this is an episode that appeals to you, where we take apart sort of big picture things with examples you can share with your friends, we have had some enormous growth. We had a 64% month-over-month growth uh, early on, which was phenomenal. We're seeing 11 to 15% month-over-month growth. And what that does, when this program grows, it does a couple of things. Hopefully, it proves that you can take a program with God at the center and that the Lord may bless that. That's all on me. That's, that's all on me being a, a herald, uh, which is a really scary thing to be. Because you have to be so precise with the word of God. And I just, I so worry about that. But it will prove that a program like this can work. The other thing it can do is it gives us an insurance policy against cancellation. And the biggest thing it can do is it can bring you together with your friends on just not news. But on issues related to the Bible, to the ultimate victory. So if this is an episode that appeals to you, please just take it, share it with friends. Just email this episode to 10 friends. And particularly if they listen to Rush and they heard me there and you think they liked me, well, God rest Rush. And this is a way to share. So if you could do that, that helps us grow. Because we're going to have to grow. Otherwise, we shrink or we die. And that's part of what the Bockenberg media is wanting to do. Is to take voices that run counter to the narrative and kill them. The people at YouTube, they said early on, and I used to run the sound of the, the Susan, what's her name, Wachensky, who runs YouTube. She's the boss over at YouTube. She admitted, and this should chill people. She admitted that they outsourced their COVID coverage to players in the COVID coverage. They outsourced it to the World Health Organization. But since we've explored, or we're going to explore, Um, The role of the physicals versus the virtuals. And this is a fascinating concept. The physicals versus the virtuals is the most important thing in our, in, in our, in the, the temporal coverage of what's going on in America and what's going on globally. She is a virtual. She doesn't work in the physical creation of anything. In fact, we are going to explore that next episode. This incredibly important piece written by a gentleman who coins the phrase, the physicals versus the virtuals. YouTube are a bunch of virtuals. They work in the realm of information control, but they're crossing over like in Canada that they're trying to make money into information. Once money becomes information that's in their realm, once you give them your money in the form of a government sponsored digital currency, You have now forevermore, you never again will ever own anything because it will be information and it's in the realm of the virtuals. Well, in this case, it's not just the COVID coverage, it's it's coverage in general. There's a fascinating Twitter thread from an activist who's busily exposing the corruption of the Chinese Communist Party. And her name is Shelly Zhang. There's a link to this in the Substack show notes. 
They had some of their content disappeared by YouTube. And she writes, we had no idea why YouTube age-restricted a video. Practically speaking, age restriction means the views on this video are pretty much done. She's right, because you age-restrict it, then you have to be logged in, you have to have a, you have to have a, a YouTube account that's demonetized. And all the video did was expose the fact that there's infighting in the Chinese Communist Party and the dictator of China, who's good friends with Joe Biden, by the way, asked Biden, intends perhaps to dissolve the Chinese Communist Party so that it's just the party of Xi. And why wouldn't he? It's about Mao Zedong way. So YouTube has demonetized a video and they think they know why. Because in the video, there's footage of the so-called police in China who are, by the way, exactly the same as people who continue to serve as police in Ottawa. You're the same. You're serving the same masters. You're doing the same thing. You're abusing people for the same reason. If you're a cop in Ottawa, I have news for you. You're no longer a cop. You're a brown shirt. You are cousins with the so-called cops in China. So they think that YouTube disappeared this video because of the fact that it contains prisoners being drugged into the streets by the so-called police in China. Uyghurs. The world's not to see. YouTube doesn't want the world to see this. YouTube prefers the money of the Chinese Communist Party, and YouTube is part of the virtual class. We'll talk about that next hour, and we'll explain that in further detail. It's not my invention. It's a great, great article called When Reality Honks Back. But they're part of the information working crowd. So YouTube has a role as the disappearer of dissent. YouTube has a role of the promoter of narrative, but the disappearance of dissent, clip by clip. The New York Times has always had this role of fancying up things with an, with an intellectual veneer. We'll talk about that in a second. But once they do that, they fancy something up and they make it seem very academic and, and, and very, uh, you know, very intense and, and nuanced and only the smart class can get it. They hand that off to people like Joe Scarborough. This is Scarborough full on pretending that how you vote equals whether or not you get the COVID flu. David Leonard in his New York Times letter this morning shows a massive gap in COVID deaths now between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. There is, and, and, and specifically, uh, he looks at those counties that uh, went for Donald Trump and those counties that went for Joe Biden. There really wasn't much of a, of a difference but now if you look at the graph, it is telling that uh, the, the counties, especially the ones that went for Trump big, have much higher rate of deaths uh, than those who did not. Uh, and as uh, David says, it's such a tragedy that politics has gotten in the way of Americans' health. So, And the guy knows exactly what he's doing with the numbers. Trump voters are older. Trump voters are more likely to be obese. Older and obese 
And this crosses racial lines in some of these counties. And black people are less likely to have voted for Donald Trump, but they live in counties that voted for Donald Trump, tend to be older, heavier, and more prone to diabetes. All those things are indicators of whether you get the COVID flu or not. But not how you vote. It can't be. It's a physical impossibility. But again, Scarborough is an information worker. He's an information crimper. Next hour, as we explore the physicals versus the virtuals, keep special attention to the role of the of the virtuals, information class workers, attempting to cross over into the physical world with their tech. That's an assault on a war line that hadn't even occurred to me to think of it as physicals versus virtuals, but we'll explore that next hour. So that's Scarborough taking the handoff from a piece that is blatant propaganda from the New York Times playing with numbers. And they dress it up in intellectualism. Joe Scarborough pretends to be a tough guy and bring it out in a tough guy way on MSNBC. The role of the Mockingbirds, the way they play the game. MSNBC has always been sort of a bomb thrower. But this comes on the heels of another propaganda silence treatment that sometimes the New York Times I have no idea how this happens, but sometimes they break out with journalism. Rush used to call it what the drive-by media. Every so often, it's like muscle memory. They release a piece that's counter-narrative. So why did the New York Times suddenly release a piece on the CDC's propaganda of silence in relation to the COVID flu? And more specifically, to the injections. Why did they do that now? We'll talk about that. You know, I told you this past weekend that an opportunity to visit with Alan. He is the namesake of Alan's Artisan Soaps. And Alan is a lovely young man who is profoundly affected by autism. And he has a beautiful attitude. He has a a desire to interact. We were on a Zoom call together, um, he and his father and I. And he has a desire to interact and a desire to be heard. And it must be horribly frustrating for Alan because he hears us really clearly. uh, But he's not able to communicate with words um, in the way he'd like, I think. And his father translates. His mother is a perfect translator, though, of, of her son. So Alan's Artisan Soaps was started so that that young man can communicate in the way of commerce. Every soap that is created in small batch with all natural ingredients in the United States is partly Alan's creation. And one of the things I was able to understand during our call was he asked me, what's your favorite soap? And I was able to share that with him. And he was excited. His favorite soap is the favorite soap of a family member of mine. It's the Jasmine Watermelon. And the reason it's the favorite soap of Alan is because that scent reminds him of his grandma. It happens that that soap in particular, the jasmine watermelon, is the, is the most luxurious in terms of sudsing up. So if that's something you like in a soap, of the three, that's the most luxurious. What I like about this is the communication that Alan gets to have with so many people. When you buy your first collection of Alan's artisan soaps, get the gift basket, get a bunch of bars of soap, try them all. You get a note from Alan and his heart goes with these soaps. 
Now, that's all well and good, but if they weren't great soaps, I couldn't promote it. They are great soaps, and it's a great feeling to support them. This month, we're continuing with the fundraiser for the Special Olympics. There's only a few days left on this. For every bar of soap that we sell of Allen's of, of Artisan Soaps, $1 goes to the Special Olympics. This is quick, easy. Just go to Allen's Soaps, A-L-A-N-S Soaps.com. Use my name, Todd, at the checkout, and those donations will go to the Special Olympics. That's Allen's Artisan Soaps. You also have an opportunity to communicate back to Alan that you appreciate the fact that he and his father have made the decision that he will work and have the dignity of work. That's Alan's Artisan Soaps. So occasionally the New York Times will publish a piece that you really have to puzzle on. Why did the New York Times suddenly admit something that we've been talking about now for six months? That is that the CDC is hiding information on vaccine deaths and vaccine injuries. Well, they're not vaccines, mRNA injection deaths and mRNA injection injuries. Why are they hiding hospitalization rates of people who've been injected and not injected? Well, we know the answer. It's a rhetorical question. The bigger question is why is the New York Times admitting this now? They're paving the way. One of the things the New York Times does in the power corridors and the information corridors is, as I observe it, is the Times goes to the power the powers that be and say, look, we have got to say something about this. We have got to be able to mention this. Help us help you. We'll get this out. We'll dress it up in a way that's really helpful to you. And the New York Times is doing that. They're pretending that government data screenshotted for people to examine themselves is misinformation. That if I can take a screenshot of the New York Times, of, of the CDC data showing that more people in the hospital have been injected than not, showing that what's something we've known, and even the, the, the CEO of Pfizer admits, Tony Fauci has admitted, Rochelle Walensky has admitted, our own lives admit that these injections do nothing to stop infection or transmission. They're useless, dangerous, and deadly. That's quite a triumph. So I look at the role of the New York Times as bringing these pieces out to say, hey, 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 let us help you here. Let us help you by setting the stage. They're a spinmeister. And they admit it. They admit it. When Russia collapsed, the New York Times said in the newsroom, they actually said, we built our newsroom around Russia, Russia, Russia. That has collapsed. We're going to pivot to race. That's tantamount to going back to the Democrats and saying, guys, look. We'll dress this race thing up for you as a theory called critical race theory. We'll promote the 1619 project. We'll push this down the line. And what do we have universally in the Mockingbird class? First of all, a defense that critical race theory doesn't exist. Then once that's not possible, an insistence that it's only only in graduate school. And then once that's not supportable, well, it's only in high school. Then, well, of course it's in kindergarten. We're just talking about race. That's all this is. It's just talking about our nation's history. Starts at the New York Times level. Pivot to race. Now, the New York Times has taken that approach to something else. Free markets. The Great Reset, which began in March of 2020, is evidently, it's self-evident that this is a drive to constrain freedoms, starting now in the economic sense. 
in the wave of the destruction of 40% of small businesses, in the wave of the biggest transfer of wealth in history, from small business owners into the mobbed up entities, from taxpayers in the form of the Fed illegally buying corporate bonds to the tune of $600 billion illegally, the biggest wealth transfer in history. The New York Times and courtesy of Newsbusters here is pretending that it's capitalism that's the problem. New York Times explores an end to capitalism. What can replace free markets? This is from Newsbusters. Two anti-capitalist diatribes in the guise of news articles made the same edition of the New York Times. Steve Lohr, who covers business and economics, praised a new left-wing consortium of foundations and academics out to replace the free market system that has brought so much prosperity to so many Americans. Wary of economic neoliberalism, group funds research on alternatives. I wonder what the alternatives would be to a free market, which we don't have. We have many things, but none of it is a free market. What we really have is a rigged market. What we really have is the, is the big groups like BlackRock distorting property prices, distorting home values. What we have is a deeply corrupt Federal Reserve and Treasury purchasing corporate bonds illegally. That is bailing out the biggest companies who cheered and pushed the lockdowns on the backs of, bit of small business owners. What we have is no free market. We have a rigged and distorted market. And the New York Times is using this as a collapse methodology because the New York Times is in the class of the virtuals. They're in the class of, of, of layabout wealth. This is what this means. Wealth is not having a bank account and a job. Okay, wealth is not needing to work. Wealth is being independent of the need to work. Now, you can be wealthy. You pay off your house. You have your own food sources. You have your own water sources. As long as you can pay your property tax, because remember, we're not allowed to own houses or property in the United States. We can only rent it, right? And in point of fact, we don't own it. It's God's anyway. So we don't really own it anyway. But nor does the government. But they just never give up ownership over it. That's a form of wealth. Layabout wealth is where you have enough money that you simply live on the float, the New York Times owners live on the float. Their newspaper is dying and they live on the float. They understand that float is at risk. They understand that when nations collapse, the top topples just as the bottom collapses. And they understand from that on high basis, they can smack the ground really hard. So they lie. So they, they pretend that the problem is free markets that no longer exist. And the Bible is so very clear online. I put together, well, I didn't. I went and found a bunch of biblical quotes about lying, biblical verses about liars and, and lying. And you can get that in the Substack show notes. But there's this particular story from the Bible that is chilling to me. It's about what happens when you lie about God's money. It's about what happens when you make a promise to the Lord, a financial promise to the Lord, and then you decide to break that promise to the Lord. We'll talk about that as well as what is the role of local media in the new 
post-Great Reset era of Mockingbird Meadery. I'm going to turn to the separate country of Seattle for an astonishingly bad piece of reporting from uh, a bunch of race hustlers at a place called King 5 News, the NBC affiliate there. This is, if you know the homeless industrial complex, it's a hilarious piece. Uh, So I, I guess since I've talked about the financial system, I should remind people that yes, it's rigged. My friend Zach Abraham admits it's rigged. What I love about Zach's approach at Bulwark Capital Management is he says, yep, it's rigged and it's a system we have. So how do we work within it? How do we use it to retire without getting wound up in its gears? How do we do the wise thing, which is to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves and not violate the word of God? How do we do this and not make investments in companies that are directly attacking the word of God? So there's never a more fundamentally important time to examine that than when you're getting near retirement. If you've been working for a corporate entity for a long time and it's time for you to get out, either geographically relocate or it's time to get out because you understand that your business was willing to force you to get injected with something that cannot help you and could harm you. And in fact, in some cases will kill you that they were willing to do that to you means something about how they view you. So you might be at Microsoft. Okay. Well, Microsoft, they did the forced injections thing. I think it's uh, what the 28th that virtual is over and people have to go back on campus. So look, I've a, I still have a Microsoft 401k. It's pretty dormant, but I still have it. Have you looked at it to see if you can retire? A bunch of people did this at Boeing. They went to Zach at Cap- uh, Bulwark Capital Management. They didn't think they could retire, but they wanted to take a run at it. Over half of them could. And rest assured in this, at Bulwark Capital Management, they're focused on risk management. I mean, Zach's radio show is called Know Your Risk Radio. Right? You can find it at knowyourriskradio.com. So simply call Zach. He'll run the numbers non-emotionally to see if you and your wife or you and your, your husband can retire. It's 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. And Zach, someone who tells the truth about all of this stuff. But get to this final word from the Bible on what it's, it's not the final word from the Bible, but for this segment of the show, this episode in a second. But first this. What is the role of local media in the new way of doing N-O-O-Z-E, Mockingbirdery News? Well, NBC News in Seattle is a perfect example of this. They localize national hysteria. They are COVID pimps. They're mRNA pimps. And most disturbingly, they are disgusting race pimps. Back in the old days of the radio show, we used to love to play this feature that they put up during the George Floyd manufactured riots, the Black Lives Matter Incorporated seizing of six blocks of Seattle, the murders of teens and a child in Antifa stand shop, the rapes of women, the vandalism, the destruction, some 60 million or more dollars in Asian businesses destroyed. They're still hurting. The Mockingbirds never mentioned that. They didn't care. They didn't care about armed men in the back of unmarked trucks driving around the city, blocking cops from investigating vandalism. But some truckers go to Ottawa. Well, they're white nationalist terrorists. That's the role of so many local media as they get top down orders from NBC. 
as they get top-down orders from ABC, even relatively good local media, like in the case of Seattle, Como News is really good on the homeless industrial complex, but they're injection pimps. They're insurrection pimps. They all have those same talking points because so much of this is top-down. And let's not, let's not forget that BlackRock and Vanguard are the top shareholders in, well, nearly every American company that's on the stock market, which is one of the reasons why they would like to get rid of small business. But if you understand the homeless industrial complex in Seattle, this is actually a hilarious piece. What they're pretending here is that 30 years of ruinous policy, 30 years of policy that increased homelessness, 30 years of policy that increased drug addiction, 30 years in policy that has created the highest level of suicides and sex trafficking and violence and murders and property crimes in history. This time it's going to work. The 31st year is the key. The first focus for this plan is going to be on downtown Seattle because that's an area that's seeing a high concentration of homelessness. And the big announcement today, more than $10 million in private contributions are being used to launch this effort. Now they are calling it Partnership for Zero. This is video of downtown Seattle from earlier this month. The King County Regional Homelessness Authority says more than 800 people are living on the streets downtown. This brand new public-private collaboration aims to get that number to less than 30 and possibly do it in the next 12 months. How are they going to do that? Well, they say they're going to use a five-phase plan that includes having a command center where they work to develop a list of real-time data about who's experiencing homelessness and what they need to get off the streets and into housing. A key part of the plan involves hiring 30 peer navigators. Those peer navigators will be people who have experienced homelessness themselves, and the expectation is that they'll work with people experiencing homelessness right now, and they'll be there every step of the way as they get off the streets and into housing. I have had multiple conversations with folks who like wind up unhoused again, right? Because their placement is far away from everybody that they know and they don't feel any connection to that new community and they don't have anyone to reach out to. And that $10 million, that amount, private contributions, the county says they are going to need to seek sustainable funding to help them to keep this program going. Live in Seattle, Natalie Swaby, King 5 News. The Great Reset that began in March of 2020 tossed a lot of people out of sustainable futures. It tossed a lot of people out of retirement plans when it involved owning a home. When your cash flow from your rental home was part of your retirement, I have six friends who were forced to sell their cash flow homes because of the party. That piece there, that that voice at the end is a so-called homelessness czar who's never worked in that position. In fact, it's not clear that he lives in Seattle. He spends a lot of time in the gym, but different than me, he's taking selfies in the gym, talking about trying to be good looking enough to have a rich sugar daddy to take care of him. He earns Nearly a quarter million dollars a year for saying things like he just said. The reason people return to homelessness is they don't have friends who live near them. In that piece from King 5 News, they ignore the fact that by many estimates, Seattle spends $100 million a year on homelessness. 
but 10 million is going to make the difference. The King County region spends a billion dollars a year, according to the Puget Sound Business Journal, on the all-in costs of homelessness. Now, that's not just programs. That's like when the homeless destroy freeways by digging tunnels under them, or when the homeless destroy natural gas pipelines, not pipelines, but natural gas lines by turning them into places they can light fires with in abandoned buildings. It includes things like ambulance fees, Harborview, the hospital, the public hospital there that's forced to see these people six times a day for the same problem overdose, same person, same problem, same drug overdose, a billion dollars per year. But King 5 News will publish this piece because now it's coming in the 31st year of handing out needles, in the 31st year of effectively and increasingly decriminalizing drugs up to and including now fentanyl, meth, cocaine, and heroin in all the amounts you want, up to including now a city where drug cartels operate in the open, up to and including now you have sex trafficking camps and everybody knows Seattle is an epicenter of sex trafficking. Up to and including, we don't arrest illegal immigrants. So if you are a Honduran gang and you want to come to Seattle, do that. Come here, but send illegal immigrants because they won't even spend the night in jail. Up to and including the fact that they know these gangs are armed. Up to and including the fact that while they're going after your guns and high capacity magazines in Washington state, they want to ban them all. They will let felons keep theirs when they're arrested. That piece from King 5 News is the propaganda of silence on a local basis and on a massive basis. They couldn't find a single critic of that plan in the city of Seattle. And I'll tell you what, nearly everybody who's aware of that is a critic in Seattle. I feel like this show, while it's important, this episode about the new role of the Mockingbirds is vital. I think that next hour contains the most important description on a secular basis I've ever seen about the Great Reset Era. It's based on a piece I've linked to for next hour called Reality Honks Back. And it describes the battlefield in a new way. The physicals versus the virtuals. So I hope that you will stick with us and check that out. You know, when you start something like we've started and you're making an effort to do something and I am, I, my conscience is clear on this, that I am doing everything I can to put God at the center of this. I have to admit that there's still worry, but I want you to know that the Lord has provided two new advertisers that are beginning hopefully this week. And when they do, I want to just, I want to make a request, a general request from the audience. Please listen very carefully to the value proposition to these advertisers. Never, ever purchase from an advertiser that you don't want to support, that you don't need. But if you are in the market for something or you, it occurs to you, you should have something. One of the things you can do is support the advertisers on this show and at least try them right? For what they're going to do. We have two different forms of advertisers coming. One is a small business that we're going to help grow. And I think you guys are going to love these guys. Well, I know because we've had the owner on before and you love them. The other is a well-established business. Okay. And this well-established business is testing the waters of this podcast. 
That happens to be an arena I know a lot about. So when I investigated this business, I can come to you with complete assurance they know what they're doing because I know a lot about this particular area. So I want to just set that out there. The Bible teaches a lot of lessons about lying. One of the ones that is most haunting to me is what happened when people decided to lie about the money that they were going to give God. And this comes from Acts chapter 5, verse 3. It's about Ananias and Sapphira. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, the context here is important. He wanted to join them, and he said, I will sell all my property. I'm going to sell it and give, give the proceeds to the group. That's what he promised to do. He promised that to God. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down dead. He fell down and died. A great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will come and carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down dead at his feet and died. Well, fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man who came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Yeah. Lying to God is a serious issue. And there's lots of ways to die. There is the dying of the soul. And that is the ultimate death. Right, Because the killing of the physical body is just that. It's the killing of the physical body. The soul lives on. The soul is eternal. The bad news for people considering suicide is it doesn't end. Life continues. Right? It continues. I'm always astonished at people who can keep their souls when they work in fields or in areas like Hollywood, D.C., Madison Avenue. And there are people who do that, keep their souls. I know a young woman who works in Democrat politics in Washington, D.C., and, and I hadn't spoken to her in almost seven years. And a friend of mine encouraged me once to have a, a business lunch with her just to talk about ideas. She was on the, on the cusp of moving to Hollywood. She wanted to take her skills. She'd been a creator of ads and some attack ads and some aspirational ads and some, you know, a political biographies. But my friend told me, look, she's not a leftist. She's not crazy. She's just an old fashioned Democrat. You should just talk with her. I think you guys might want to do something together in the future and wave business. So I had this talk with her 
And she was one of the most thoughtful people I've ever met. And I asked her, how are you working in politics? And she said, well, I'd say the same of you. What are you doing? <laughs> we had this look on her face like, what are we doing? Why are we in this? She's one of the few people I shared with immediately the story of when the election was over. And we thought we had stopped Obamacare. And I went into a church and I wept on my knees. Happened to be a Catholic church. And the priest saw me. He walked out. He saw me on my knees at the pew weeping in my suit and tie. And he simply walked away. I'm sure that man said, I've seen this countless times. And I said again and again and again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for dividing the nation. She came back from Los Angeles and she popped me a note and said, I see you've moved to podcast. Why is that? I wrote back and said, I want to put God at the center of this, Molly. Because without God, we don't have anything. And she wrote back to me with a picture. She's moved home. And home is in Wyoming. And home is on a ranch. And they donated part of their ranch to a church. What she told me is, I really like Los Angeles, but I like my soul a lot more. And I feel like I'm lying to God when I don't tell the full story. And I feel like I don't have a political party anymore. And that makes me happy. I don't want a political party anymore. I want my country and I want my God. Then she showed me pictures of her kids and her husband. And here's the weirdest thing. She met her husband in Los Angeles. He was an entertainment lawyer who now wants to be an ordained priest or I should say pastor, ordained pastor. I don't think I could ever be an ordained pastor, but I am studying to intellectually qualify for ordination. Somehow now this moment, like our lives match up in this way. Her with her husband and me with my wife and my wife supports me in this. Which is a long way of looking back at the roles of the Mockingbird media. I wonder, would you join me in a prayer that the people who are lying to our nation don't let their souls die? That they would stop lying to God's people and that God Almighty would see fit to reclaim them? Would you join me in that prayer? I understand. I understand that this is praying for an enemy. I do. And Jesus never said, this is going to be really easy. Next hour, the virtuals versus the physicals. Very important piece. This is the Todd Herman Show. Go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's all together, let's be right with God.